What up, Danny? How's it going, Tyler? It's going pretty good, other than it feels weird that we're sitting out in my living room doing this. I just recorded my other podcast, so we had like four people in here and it was necessary, but... No doubt. <laughs> Shit. Fucking incident in a ghost land today, dude. I know, right? Fucking excited. I'm so down to talk about this. <laughs> I'm just going to have to get over how weird it feels to be sitting here (laughs) talking about it. It'll get a little getting used to, let's put it that way. I think what's going to help me get used to it is if we start getting high. I like that idea. Moving our green hits, what do you bring today? All right, so I brought over a joint of something I've brought over before, and that is of Remedies. That's the dispensary here in town. I brought over a joint of the Lemon Trainwreck for you. It's one I've mentioned before. It's of course it's a cross of Trainwreck and Lemon Haze. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I like it. Very terpeny uh, as far as like the limonene. Oh yeah, yeah. Good heady high. So yeah, dude. I definitely even through the the last time you brought that to me as a J, like I tasted the citrus through the J, even like combusting it. Obviously, it's easier when we're hitting it through the vape, but even combusting it, I was, I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh lemon. Ooh. <laughs> Heck yeah. I on the other hand. From Top Shelf again, I brought me, or not brought me, brought us both some purple glue. Hell yeah. Which I didn't see exactly which version of uh, purple glue they had to be 100% sure on the genetics, but all the other purple glues I've been looking up seem to be bred from Purple Cushion original glue. Nice. I was guessing Granddaddy Perps and Gorilla Glue. Apparently I was wrong. That's okay. Either way, like some perps. Yeah. Like some glue. Likewise. Glue them together. <laughs> what do you do? Exactly. <laughs> smoke a joint or two. So, shit. I think that's going to be a good call. Let's, let's smoke a joint or two or three. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And uh, maybe get into the guts and bolts of Incident in a Ghostland. Guts and bolts. All right. Guts and bolts. Incident in a Ghostland. I have way less information in front of me than I normally do right now. I just realized that my computer is currently not hooked up to the internet. So, oh, dang. However, what I can do, as I usually do with this section, as we stay spoiler-free and try to sell you guys on the movie and tell you who and what went into it, I will start with the spoiler-free setup for Incident in a Ghostland. This one's hard. A little bit. I feel like I can't even say truly what the genre, the specific subgenre of this movie is, Without giving away the twist. So the spoiler-free setup is two girls with their mom into their aunt's old place. And a home invasion happens. I don't really feel like I can say too much more about the movie without giving too much away. (laughs) I think that's a very solid point, yeah. Any much Since more. We try to that. stay spoiler free in this section. I don't really feel like I can say too much more about this movie without giving something away. Smart but, guy. <laughs> but that's the setup. Good point. Yeah. And I guess really part is. of the setup, and we'll mention his name more in a second, is that this is a Pascal Auger movie. So it's not martyrs, but. It's him. Exactly, exactly. I do feel like, especially after watching Martyrs, even though I've never seen any of his other movies, that this has his fingerprints all over it. So, Well, part of the reason why, since we're talking about part of our crew, is because he's also the writer on this, so he wrote the screenplay for this film. But, of course, Pascal Logier, we've talked about him on our 13th episode because we did review Martyrs way back in the day, right? And we find 
all the excuses we can to bring it back. Oh, up. no, without a doubt. It was a part of our... Part of the Test Your Fright. Yeah, the Test Your Fright Challenge. Uh, so one we have, like I said, try to get as many people as possible to watch. And we have Sean over for that. We had Sean over for it. <laughs> you watched the remake. Oh, yeah, we sure did. <laughs> <laughs> did we? And shat on that. Wow. Yeah, well, granted, it... It, it shat was on itself a bit, too. Right, but... God, yeah, granted, yeah. But some other films of note to mention are St. Ange, which was also known as House of Voices here in the States, and he also directed The Tall Man, starring Jessica Buell. Tall Man was supposed to suck, right? I never did see it. I've heard eh, things about it. All right, so cinematographer Danny Novak, he's known for being the DP on La Femme Nikita, the television series back in 1997. No shit. Yeah. Wow. I remember from the previews for that show, for the commercials that would run, thinking that it was going to be a lot sexier of a show than it was. I <laughs> consider caught some episodes. <laughs> no doubt, right? He was also the DP on Children of the Corn Revelation, the Blood Ties television series back in 2007, and also on Dead Like Me, the television series oh, back in 2003. I love some Dead Like Me. Yeah. Our editor is Dev Singh. They're known for editing the films Across the Line, People of Earth, a television series back in 2016, and more recently the film Spiral. The music was composed by Todd Bryanton, who was also the composer on the films The Tall Man, The Humanity Bureau, and The Recall. Now, we have a ton of producers. I don't have to necessarily go through the list. If you're curious or interested, they are listed on the Wikipedia page. And production companies, same thing. There are several of them. Don't necessarily have to get into all the details about them. Our distributors were Vertical Entertainment. They helped with the 2018 United States theatrical release. And Film and Television House helped with the 2018 non-U.S. all-media. And let's see here. We have release dates of February 3rd, 2018. This was at the Gerard Mer Fantasy Film Festival in France and June 22nd, 2018 here in the States. The tagline I have is, you really thought you've been scared? Okay. Is there any other taglines for it? I thought I saw one other one, like on a poster or something, that fit a lot better. But uh, if I there might is, be yeah, I don't know. They're they're all kind of eh, generic for the most yeah. part. I'm, I'm gonna while you, while you move into this next section, I'm gonna see if I can find the one that I saw because I thought I saw one that was good. But yeah, no problem. All right, so I might be thinking of some other movie too. <laughs> moving into the cast, we have Crystal Reed who plays. Elizabeth Beth Keller, the adult version, that is. And Crystal, as far as filmography, she's known for being in such films as Crazy, Stupid Love. You might have seen her in the films Jutopia, the film Crush, and Too Late. But as far as television, I think people probably recognize her more or less because she was two different characters. She was Alison Argent and Marie-Jean Vallée in Teen Wolf from 2011 through 2014, and then back in 2016. And she was also Sophia Falcone in Gotham from 2017 through 2018, and Abby Arcane in Swamp Thing more recently from 2019. thought I fucking recognized her. I never did look up her credits in enough time to... Okay. Okay. That's cool. Nice. All right. Playing the young Beth, we have Amelia Jones, She's known for being in such films as Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. She was also in What We Do on Our Holiday, the film Youth. She was also in Ben Wheatley's High Rise. Some people might have seen her in Brimstone, the film Patrick. And more recently, she was in Horrible Histories, the movie, 
Rotten Romans. And as far as television goes, she's actually got some pretty cool roles. She was in the episode The Rings of Akhaten in Doctor Who from 2013. She was also in Lock and Key as Kinsey Locke. Holy fuck, she is in that episode of Doctor Who. I do not like that episode of Doctor Who. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty interesting. I found the other tagline I was looking for. Okay. Escape. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I like we'll get that into one. it. Yeah, I mean, we'll I get like into that it. One. For sure. All right. We have Anastasia Phillips plays the role of the adult Vera in this. She's known for such films as Nonsense Revolution, Don't Talk to Irene, and Tammy's Always Dying. And as far as television, she's got some pretty interesting roles. Some people might know her for the television series Stoked from 2019 through 2013, where she played Lauren Ridgemount. She actually was the voice actress because it was an animated show. She was in an episode of Blue Mountain State back in 2010. Some people might know her for Bomb Girls from 2012 through 13. She was also in an episode of The Mentalist, uh, Byzantium. Some people might know her for the television show Rain back in 2017. We have Taylor Hickson. She plays the young Vera in the film. Some people might know her because she played Megan Orlovsky in Deadpool back in 2016. She was also in Hunting Pignut. She was in the film Everything, Everything in Giant Little Ones. And as far as television, people might know her because she had a recurring role in Deadly Class, the television show from 2018 through 19. And more recently, she plays Raelle Collar in Motherland, Fort Salem. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, we have a very interesting actress here because she doesn't act very much, but I am speaking of Marlene Farmer. She plays the role of Pauline, who is the mother of young Beth and Vera. Now, she is professionally known as Marlene Farmer because she is Marlene Jean Gautier. She is a French recording artist, and if anybody's interested, she has sold more than 30 million records in France and is Whoa. among the most successful Whoa. recording artists of all time in France. So she holds the most number one hits in the French charts with 20 to date, eight of which were consecutive. And it says 15 of her albums have reached number one in France. Dude, she's a badass then. What? It's pretty That's amazing. Cool. Yeah. I like coming here and not being able to have my notes in front of me so that you're surprising me with all that shit. <laughs> well, awesome. There, there are a few films to note. She wasn't in very many, but she was in the 1994 film Giorgino. Some people might have seen her in Author in the Invisibles back in 2006. Well, actually heard her voice because she voiced Princess Selenia. She also voiced Princess Selenia in Author in the Vengeance of Maltazard. And some people might have also heard her voice in Author in the Two Worlds. They're all in French. I'm just trying oh, to translate. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We have Kevin Power plays the role of the candy truck woman in Kevin. He's actually been in some pretty interesting things. Some people might have seen him because he was the Genico spokesperson number two in the opera audience member number seven in Repo, the genetic opera. Yeah, and he was also in the film Horseman. All right, Rob Archer, he plays the role of Fat Man in this movie. He's been in some really cool shit, actually. So when I look through his filmography, he's been in such things as Bulletproof Monk. 
He went uncredited in Repo Men and the film Red, which is like, oh, that's kind of a disappointment that he went uncredited. Those are two cool films. He was also convict number two in the film Kick-Ass Part 2. Some people might have seen him as Seal in the film Pixels. Some people might know him because he was in Defiance, the television show from 2013 through 15. He was also in Lost Girl from 2010 through 15. More recently, he was in such things as Ant-Man and the Wasp and the series V-Wars back in 2019. So, yeah, that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief synopsis. We should give you several warnings for this film. One you already kind of gave, if you're familiar with Pascal Loger, you have already uh, somewhat of a familiar feel for what you're going to get into. All right, so Loger is known because of Martyrs. Mm-hmm. Martyrs is known because it is generally one of the most extreme movies Ooh. that a horror movie watcher could ever watch. There is underground shit that arguably is worse. Yeah, I would agree with that. Martyrs is a really hard to get through movie. It is. It very is for a lot of people, even fans of horror. This movie seems to be across the board known as not as hard to get through as Martyrs, which I mean, yeah, that's true, but that's also true of like 99% of movies. (laughs) I would agree with that as well. Saying that this isn't as hard to get through as Martyrs isn't describing this movie that well. No, this because... This is still a rather extreme movie. It is. It's extreme in its own right, but it's not extreme in the traditional sense, I suppose. It it's would be extreme... Porn. No, it. I think it's extreme for maybe general audience viewers, right, who aren't too comfortable with horror films, per se. Right, and as extreme as Martyrs is, there is decidedly and stated within the text no sexual abuse. That's not the case with this movie. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it is off screen, so you don't see that stuff. I mean, there are some things that are on screen, but they're not as aggressive as they could have it's been. More, yeah, it's more hinted at when you do see it on screen, but it's you presented get the in a way where it's not hard to connect the dots of what's going on. Absolutely. Is the way to put it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's physical violence in this film. There's a decent amount of blood and gore, not... A whole lot, but there's a decent amount. And um, if you're averse to female violence, especially young females, yeah, mm. you're going to be turned away for sure about this film. And I already mentioned, like, home invasion aspect. Exactly. Dolls. Is, People, yeah. if you don't like dolls. Oh, I was about to say that. <laughs> like, the biggest thing, this isn't like we're watching Puppet Master. Don't get me wrong when right. we make this warning. But if you don't like dolls, you're not going to want to watch this movie, like, Man, you're going to be triggered. because they're like in every scene. Yeah, I was going to get in. It's like you're going to get set off. (laughs) It's Yeah, it's not Puppet Master. The dolls aren't after you. No, no, they're just, they're there. They're they're ever present. There. And none of them are like not creepy looking. (laughs) (laughs) No, right? (laughs) I don't have a thing against dolls. I don't either. None of the dolls. They don't bother me. Not creepy. (laughs) Yeah, so that stuff doesn't bother me. But I get it for those who are freaked out by dolls. I totally get it. Um, I'm just letting you know they're there. That's probably the biggest warning for this movie, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt about it. But everything else, you know, of course, will lead into it. But for the most part, that's what you're going to get yourself into with this film. I agree. Well, let's get into talking about this movie, though, because I've been waiting, like, since Saturday. So let's do this. How does that make you squeal? All right. So... It's another one of those movies that I kind of pushed last week after realizing it was on Shudder because I wanted a good excuse to watch it because of how much I love Martyrs. No shit, right? You got to it before I did, although this week 
marked both of our first times watching the movie. Yeah, popped our cherries. But your reaction to it spurred me into... Normally, I, and I've said this before on the podcast, I do my watchings Sunday night, Monday morning, then we record Monday afternoon. So I have it like twice within 24 hours before we talk Still about fresh. it. Still fresh, yeah. Super fresh. There's upsides and downsides to that. Often if I get to a movie earlier in the week, which I don't often get a chance to do, then I at least have more chance to like think about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll come up with better ideas about it and shit. I was so excited to watch this. I watched it Saturday night instead, which doesn't sound like that big of a difference, but for me it really, really is. Yeah, like, it's yeah. a big difference in my weekend schedule. And I don't know if I have any better ideas about it, but holy fuck, you're right. This movie <laughs> turned out to be really good. <laughs> Dude, I know, right? So without spoiling too much too soon... Right, because this is the spoiler section. It, it is, but... it is. But before we get into that kind of stuff, I will say... Typically, I try to start the film, whatever film we watch, sometime between either Tuesday night, maybe as late as Thursday, no later than Friday, typically, to get two viewings in, right? And then I'll usually watch my second viewing on Sundays. But for this one, about half an hour into the film, 45 minutes into it, I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, man, what is this, right? I wasn't having a good feeling about it, but then something happens, and I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) holy shit yeah and i was excited for you to watch it to see if you had maybe a similar feel and whatnot so yeah that's kind of how i went into this film all right so with its title i have to ask like going into it once you get past the initial home invasion since i'm still sort of wanting to dance around the twist a little bit were you also trying to figure out who was a ghost Yes, at some point I was wondering how much of a ghost story this actually was going to be. How much of a supernatural story. Answer is none. Yeah, which is fucking super clever considering the title. Completely threw me for a loop because you get into the her grown up section and all I could think of is like, we've ran into this trope a million fucking times. She's going back to the fucking house. It's somebody up to me to there. Some, yeah, somebody's <laughs> dead. So we're going to be showing somebody on screen yeah. who's actually dead. I know what's happening. And so I was just sitting there trying to figure it out. Like, okay, sister's weird, mm-hmm. and shit is getting weird enough that it's possibly supernatural, but they're definitely interacting with her. Right, There's right. no way that what's going on could be her as a ghost. Just something isn't adding up. Exactly. And same with mom. It's like... Things start to get weird. There's weird conversations that are happening and weird things happening in general. But it still wasn't driving. I'm like, exactly. It's getting weird, yes. But it's, but it's not getting. It's ghosty. a little. Yeah, right. It, it's just like it. It doesn't feel right in a sense. Yeah. If you take out the mom, this doesn't work. If you take out the sister, this doesn't work because they're interacting with them too much. Yeah. Yeah. Holy fuck! <laughs> I did not think that the answer to that was going to be what it was. Man. I thought I was just missing something. For a little while, and for the same reasons, I felt like conversations were a little stilted and things weren't making sense. Like, if I understand it's a film, of course, so you can't put everything in, you know, nice little containers, like, logically speaking, right? It's like I have to suspend my disbelief somewhat here to try to make sense of all this stuff, but it's still not making sense. So, but then when it does reveal itself, I'm like, oh, goddamn. <laughs> Once again, I'm like, oh, goddamn. All right, so... Let's start going through the movie a little okay. bit. I want to be able to talk about the twist, but I kind of want to get there naturally. Yeah, yeah like Even though this is the spoiler section. like We'll get I, there. 
it was good enough and it did enough for me that I want to respect it. You right. know what I mean? Uh, to put it a little crudely, we're going to slow stroke it before we get there. Right, right. So my first thought, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? This does not seem like a very... Honestly, I still really dig this movie and it still feels really weird. That fucking starting with the picture of Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. I love me some Lovecraft. Problems and all. Right, so it's a bit coincidental <laughs> that you guys were out here talking about H.P. Lovecraft a little bit. <laughs> I overheard it, so I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of fitting. Yeah, that was the other weird thing, was I knew I was going to be talking about Lovecraft on my other show this week, and then suddenly, <laughs> oh, look. Very first image. I didn't have to wait for, like, <laughs> yeah. Howard Phillips Lovecraft, 18-whatever to 19-whatever. I'm like, I know who the fuck that is. Exactly. By now, we've talked about him so much because he's such a huge influence in horror, it's just, you know, it's like, okay. Honestly, it gives I, a, the girl's quote, right? Beth, Elizabeth. It still feels like a super awkward way to start this movie. It really does. I think it's clever in a sense because it's setting something up. You don't know quite what, and it feels a little bit cheesy initially. It still feels cheesy. Right. I mean, I it, know it, why, it I is. I the import, but it right. still feels cheesy. It is. I mean, I, I get it. And once again, we'll get into that. But I, yeah. Ultimately, I get it. But. Right. So what we get is the introduction of the two girls, the two sisters, and their mom on a road trip, because you had mentioned they inherited their aunt's home, and so, of course, they're going to move there. And we get the clues first. We get the facts that the young girl, Elizabeth, because she's reading her story to her mother, she's an aspiring novelist. She's very tied to H.P. Lovecraft. Love some H.P. Right? That's her idol. That's her dude. Her sister, Vera. Is a cunt. Right, complete is the complete opposite. She's like, why do you write these things? You know, she's she's the I couldn't help it. My note, right, right. She's the angsty, the rebellious, movie. yeah, girl. Yeah, she's a, she's a, she's exactly that. One thing I do have to mention, wouldn't want to miss out, is actually the very first scene right after that is we actually see this kid running across a field. It looks like one of the children from the corn <laughs> movies, <laughs> <laughs> right? Which I think is a little bit of an homage. He does that a lot in this. God damn this week. <laughs> he does that in this film, right? I think he's paying a little bit of an homage to certain films, this being one of them. And it also sets up something later on in the film as well. So this jumped out at me, and this is already getting a little bit deeper into the overall movie than I was kind of thinking of. But I had to write it down because I wasn't able to place my finger on what was making me feel this way. But I kind of felt that it was weirdly significant in that opening car ride when Vera points out that she doesn't speak French, given that we have covered a few of the new wave of French extremist films and just like some of the more angsty, extreme films from just that general area of the world, something about this movie felt like he distinctly tried to make it feel more American. Well, okay. Other than the ending... Right. I can't put my finger on what made it feel that way to me. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you got any bit of the same feeling. Yeah. I know this is a Canadian production, but it is more appealing to like American audiences just as well, right? There's a reason for that, unfortunately, in France. is because horror and other genre films aren't revered as much in France as they are here. Mm-hmm. And so he says when he's doing stuff like that, it's hard for him to write in a French way where it connects with French audiences. So 
he almost has to think more, you know, in an American or North American kind of appeal. Or if it's something as simple as that, as yeah. just his headspace when he was writing it that made it feel that way. Yeah, and, you know, he's made mention of that and stuff too. But because he worked with Mylene Farmer earlier on her music video, which is really cool, actually, I watched that too. I was kind of curious about it. Oh, yeah? It's pretty decent, man. It's not bad. It's interesting because, you know, of course, he's directing it, but you can totally tell it's his, you know, it's not a bad video at all. But anyway, because she wanted to act and they had a really good time, you know, collaborating on the music video. He's like, yeah, I want to write her into it. Right. And so he wanted the girls to be American with a French mother. Right. And had an American father. And that's why there was a little bit of that disconnect as well. So he wrote a little bit of her into that as well to make it have that appeal. Yeah. I mean, there's that part. I just felt like overall some of the action in this movie felt more... Oh, it's totally more, yeah, American-esque. I just couldn't quite put my finger on what exactly... Like, there's no one thing that stands out. No, like, but I, I get American it, American movies do this and European movies do this. <laughs> like. But no, there, there's a certain feel. There's a certain... I don't know. There's a certain tone that's set and just the mood and shit like that. The way they build atmosphere, you know. But I get it. I totally get it. It does have a different feel to it. All right, so initially I'm still thinking, okay, we're getting a car ride. This is feeling kind of eh, whatever. And then, of course, they get the truck that comes up behind them and it's honking its horn and shit. <laughs> and I looked at what it said on the truck. I don't know if you caught it. Oh, no. It's fucked up what it says. It says, good old taste for kids. That's oh. like the moniker on the top. I'm like, damn, if that's in a pedo truck, I don't know what <laughs> is. And the girls are waving, except for, of course, Vera, who's flicking it off. Once again, the Teenage Rebellion. And you know that's never good. No. It's never no. good. Because it backs off and trails behind them. They do the classic trope where they go into a gas station. Beth is talking to the clerk. And, you know, she's mentioning to the clerk that she's moving into her aunt's. And the clerk knows who she is. She's like the old kooky lady up the road, whatever. But while she's in there, she comes across a news story, a news article that's talking about families and girls their age who have been held hostage, the parents get killed, and the girls are pretty much living with their abductors. What what Beth tells Vera about it should have given away the twist. Yeah. There's so many different clues, like little seeds along the way that's planting those ideas for later on. I can't believe that I didn't catch on to that. Yeah, there's all these little things, right? So I was like, okay, that's really interesting. Because, like I said, what it sets up later on. So they eventually get to the home. The first thing that I wrote down after that is what Vera says about the house. She's just like, Jesus Christ, it's Rob Zombie house. Or, it's like, oh yeah, it's like Rob Zombie. <laughs> it's Rob Zombie's house, yeah. But, you know, the girls are getting all their shit sorted, whatnot. As Beth is putting up her stuff, she has a lady moment. She's becoming a lady. Before that, when they find the mirror. Oh, yeah, yeah. after? Before. Yeah, I think it's before. Because they make mention of it, the Chinese trap mirror or whatever. I actually really liked that cheap jump scare. Because yeah. it was telegraphed. Like, they looked at each other because they're like... They know it was something like, going to happen. Something's going to jump out of this, and it still scared them. And I like that they yeah. looked at each other and acknowledged that, and something still happened. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. For whatever reason, them acknowledging it at first made it fine that it's such a cheap jump scare. <laughs> now, it, it pays dividends later on, too. Yeah, yeah you know? I mean, it's super foreshadowing for shit later. Yeah, this but film does a really good job of all of that stuff, if you're paying attention. set up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's both a setup, so shit isn't surprising later. Right, But right. it also literally foreshadows the actions of a couple things that happen. Yeah, some big bad things, which is really awesome. All right, so you're right. They get that, that little jump scare, there's a conversation somewhere in there, too, where Vera and the mom are outside, right? 
And Vera's telling her mom, she's like, hey, I've heard Beth, you know, and I've found stuff where she's like having interviews with herself, talking about her books and her success and, you know, imaginary family and whatnot. Another one of those things later on, if you're paying attention, makes sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, the mom is just like a typical mom would be. She's like, you know, you're just, you're acting out. You're mad because you can't see your boyfriend anymore. <laughs> you know, it's a typical trope, right? I've seen it with my sister, so I know it's somewhat factual. <laughs> you know, I've got four of them. I've seen it. Yeah. So I get it. But when they go back in and right before she goes back in, you can see those headlights in the truck oh, yeah, in the yeah, distance. Yeah. yeah. Coming and then in. they creep up on it. Well, and then Vera never even shuts the door. No, she doesn't. So you know all this bad shit's about to happen. And then she goes upstairs, and she's like, you know, are you comfortable in my bed? Take your shit and get in your room. Here's your Cthulhu whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, she's throwing out some H.P. Lovecraft references. I get it. <laughs> and then the mom steps out into the hallway upstairs and gets assaulted. She gets fucking creamed. <laughs> and okay, it's like, so, oh, shit. Although the mom's there. Two girls are the main focus. They go to a house. Home invasion happens. This might be a French-Canadian venture, but we know Lagier. Oh, yeah. We know French extremist. Were you just like, is this just like little kid high tension right now? <laughs> it felt a little bit like that. It right? really did. That's what I'm saying. There are so many different films that I felt. I mean, I know he's not doing it purposely, but, you know, it has that feel. And like you said, the first 30 minutes of this movie isn't as good as the movie ends up being. Right, exactly. It's these generic setups that right. although are being done well, they're nothing special. Exactly. And I will say this in his defense, is reading some interviews and all that stuff, Lager says, look, I'm a genre, I'm a horror film director. This film is a horror film. It's nothing else, <laughs> right? So that's why he uses those things. He's like, he knows they work. He just makes them his own. He just kind of molds them a little bit. That's all he's doing. He's not doing anything brand new. But we'll get to what makes it different. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? So the girls get dragged out by the fat man all the way downstairs. And it's they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> What's going on? Here we go. And what he does is fucked up because he's yeah. jacking them up, hoisting them up, and then sniffing them, if you know what I'm getting at. Right? And because Beth is on her period, she's, you know, having her menstrual cycle. He's like, oh, no. He doesn't say that, but yeah, his yeah, face like, says nah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nope. <laughs> but Vera, unfortunately, she's... Good to go? Oh, that feels dirty saying that. I know, and I didn't want to say fresh either because that sounds so <laughs> dirty too. <laughs> but you know what we're saying, right? And then all that stuff happens. The attacks happen, and then Beth starts to... I think she starts to go upstairs, and she gets cut off by the woman. The one, Yeah. Right? And then the woman's kind of like pointing back downstairs. And then the mom attacks the woman. And they have that struggle. And mom goes off. Dude, Pauline is a badass. She was fierce, right? Even the shit that you find out didn't happen. Right. In those moments that we see initially, she's a badass, right? Well, and some of it did. For sure. Some of it did. So as Beth is watching that, mom, she's like telling her, she's like, baby, you need to run. But she goes downstairs because she hears Vera scream. And then she attacks the fat man, jumps on his back and stabs mm -hmm. him and all that shit. He goes down. And then Beth goes back downstairs and everything seems calm. And then she's like, mom, look out. She turns around and stabs the woman in the neck. And then Beth rolls out of bed as an adult Beth. Freaking out. Freaking out because it's, it appears that she had a nightmare. 
And she's like reliving this moment, of course, through her nightmares and her husband's comforting her. And, you know, she's it's an like, accomplished author now. Right. Who, Super her successful. Her book seems to be based. It's like almost like a memoir, mm-hmm. you know, autobiographical. And she was going on these interview tours and whatnot. <laughs> and it, like I said, if you're paying attention to this film, first time through, it's not as clear, right? Because we're seeing it with virgin eyes. Yeah. I mean, first time through, it legit reminds me of fucking, what's his name, becoming an author growing up in It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill, is Bill, it? Bill, yeah. yeah. I'm just like, oh, so she's Bill. That's what it feels like, right? Cool. Yeah, just, it's, it's okay. Like I said, it's nothing special, but I'm on board. Right, like, likewise. I this. I understand this setup. Now, mind you, too, we're only like 20 minutes into the film at this point. Right. <laughs> A lot of shit's already gone down. But I'm like, okay, I get this. Yeah, let's see where it goes. And then she gets the fucked up call from her sister, and I'm like, this is very, like, generic horror again. Exactly. I know it's where just... this is going. Her husband and her kid are going to stay behind because if they go along, they're going to notice the ghost. The crazy. Because the name of this is Incident in the Ghost Land. <laughs> exactly. It has to be just her so that she's interacting with the ghost. Facing her ghost, whatever. What have you. Makes sense. I'm on board. It's kind of boring, but let's go. Exactly. And then when she does get there, it takes a little while before someone actually answers her. And she sees her mom and they have the reunion. And mom hasn't aged a bit. Mom's still looking good. Yeah. You know, and they're having conversations and whatnot. You know, she's proud of Beth because she's successful. And but her sister, on the other hand, Vera, she's a hot mess. Dude. <laughs> she's a hot mess. So simply bringing Vera into the picture had me confused as fuck because, I mean, I was expecting her to be fucked up from it all, especially because of the way that they were talking about her leading up to it. But like... She's way more fucked up than I was expecting. Yeah, she's and not like, quite martyrs she... fucked up, but she's getting there. Yeah, I'm like, why is she not getting professional help? That's what I was thinking. That's what I say. You can't take this movie too serious because Beth of that. It has a line where she's talking to her husband where he's like, well, your mom's there with her. And she's like, well, she needs to be in a hospital. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm expecting more fucked up than you would normally see. But she's way gone. She's Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. <laughs> and so, of course, she's the best subject at first, right? You're no starting doubt. to look at her and you're like, well, she has to be a ghost. But then why is mom playing along? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. There's like little things like that that aren't adding up. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go with it, right? I'm just going to see where this is going. What I did like is how Vera actually first greets Beth, if you want to call it greets. She has a, a way like the jump scare that the clown had on her. Or not the clown with the doll. And I was like, okay, that's a that little bit of the, fore- yeah, it's yeah. like that's some of that foreshadowing, you know, and it's done in a jump scare way, but it, it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit later on is Beth has a nightmare about the trap mirror doll and it's out, <laughs> out of the trap and just stand. And, and at this point I'm like, man, this movie, I hope it's not about this fucking doll. <laughs> oh dude. Yeah. I was like, Fuck, don't be Annabelle. Don't be Annabelle. Oh God. Yeah. I was hoping. I was like, really? That's how I was starting to feel. Because like, you never please know, don't be like, that. for all we know, in the couple of years since <laughs> Martyrs, Laugier had been offered a big fat contract to make a fucking... He was supposed to do Hellraiser remake. Right. Yeah, which could be lucrative, but, but he wanted but to be I mean, too like, pinky. Um, God, what's the name of them? We just covered it. Oh, the tall... Oh, no, 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 um, no, no, no. For all we knew, though, he had been offered to make, like, the next Conjuring. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, good point, good point. 
going into it, like it's been a couple of years. Like I yeah. don't follow his career that closely. Well, in between these two there's movies, no there's reason, been ten years. Yeah, there's no reason why that couldn't basically be Annabelle at this point. Oh and no that doubt. Had me. I'm like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I know. I was honestly starting to feel that way a little bit. And then, you know, after it does its scare and she wakes up, I was like, whew, okay. <laughs> it was a dream. It was a nightmare. All right. I'm still okay with that. But the alarm goes off. That's what rattles her out of her sleep. And then she sees the help me etched in lipstick or whatever it mm-hmm. is in the mirror. And I'm like, okay, it's starting to get more supernatural feeling now, more so than, you know, this, <laughs> this doll. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I don't know. And then Vera starts literally reliving things from that night. Yeah. And I was getting, once again, super martyrs vibes. Exactly. Like she's having those martyr moments in her mind. Yeah. And I'm like, Lauger, are you ripping yourself off? (laughs) Like, what the fuck's going on right now? Like, we've seen this from you. Exactly. Why are are you you doing doing this again? Exactly. Because you have done this in one of your own movies already. (laughs) We've watched it like 10 times now. I was like, just because it was good in Martyrs doesn't mean it's going to be good in this film. (laughs) You don't have to do it twice. But it just kept making things not add up. Exactly. And then mom gets drunk. Or mom is drunk at some point during all of this. Yeah, and mom's getting a little lush, (laughs) wanting to dance and spill the beans a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's where she starts not adding up. Because she starts saying some really weird shit. And suddenly I'm like, oh, is this closer to Martyrs than I thought? Like, is she some part of some sort of weird cult? Man. And that's why Sis is so fucked up after all these years still? Like, There's some things I, I won't reveal quite yet. I'll get to it when we do get to the reveal. It starts to make sense in, in yeah. the dialogue. Because, yeah, it's cryptic what's really going on. You just don't know that at first. Right, right, right. It's just like... Mom's starting to say some weird shit. Yeah, she's like, like did you pay the bill? That oh, look yeah, that's supernatural start happening. Right. No, that's what fucked me up was, yeah, Beth goes outside, I think, after she has that dream, that nightmare, whatever, and she's looking for her mom, and she goes outside, and she finds her mom. She's, like, shooing away the dog or whatever, but the truck drives off, mm-hmm. right? And she's asked, she's like, did you pay the bill? And she's like, I, I didn't even see them. We'll see what that means later on. <laughs> right? What really fucks me up, in the beginning, once again, that threw me off is seeing how her sister's kept downstairs, locked up. She's got like the pads on the walls and all that stuff. I was like, man, this makes no fucking sense no. while they're going along with that. Why are you doing that to your sister? And why is your mom allowing that? At this point, why aren't you forcing your mom to put her in a Yeah, I was like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? You got the money for it. You're an accomplished author. Right. If this is filmed in Canada, I know you got the health care for it. There's no excuses, man. <laughs> But like, so that's where it throws me off and she's doing all the beating on herself and all that stuff. So, oh, there's a moment where her mom says to her, she's like, I know what Vera is trying to tell you. I think that's when her fingers are all mangled and shit after she fell down. Oh, right, right. And she's like, yeah, I want to call the ambulance. I want to go out to the road so they can see me. That's what she tells mm-hmm. Beth. And that's the last time we see mom for a bit because when Beth returns to her sister, her sister ran back downstairs, locked herself in. You know, and Beth is trying to get in, and then you get this jump scare. But what you hear is that I've already broken your sister, and I want to break you, or something right. of that nature. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, what the fuck is going on now? It's getting super weird. And what is it? Because it's it's really soon after that that we basically get the reveal. Because she's back downstairs with Vera, right? Mm-hmm. And she's trying to like yell some sense into Vera or something, and Vera starts yelling back and. 
it happens. Am I right? Are, are we at that part? It's what's happening is her sister's trying to communicate with her, Vera, that is, right? Mm -hmm. And so Beth is starting to slowly come out of it, if that makes sense. She even had a flash earlier while she was at home in the hallway where she sees her sister get dragged by the fat guy and she like steps aside. Right. Some, some things are starting to come back to her, if that makes sense. But this is what I think sets her off, right? And basically what we, <laughs> the big reveal is that she's imagined all of this adult stuff in her head because she's still in the basement with her sister getting fucked up. The last, it's like, the last like two minutes of what we saw in the basement never happened. Yeah, it's craziness, man. So, she ended up seeing her mom get killed in front of her Yeah, at that little spot at the top of the stairs. Mm -hmm. And the adult Vera's, yeah, telling her sisters, like, you need to realize mom died. She's having the flashback, and then we see what happened to mom. She put up a valiant effort, but the woman slit her throat in front of Beth, mm -hmm. and that's probably where Beth disconnected. Broke. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere along that way, she disconnected. And Vera's like, you've been talking to him. I couldn't get you to respond. Right. And you get the pan up, and there's the pictures that presumably had once oh, been hung man. somewhere in the house, and yeah. it's like, oh, it's the husband and the kid. That is so fucked up when you realize that, that... Yeah, this is all, everything that she's been doing has been a fantasy. She's literally telling a story to herself as a way to comfort herself through the brutality. Especially upon rewatch, it gets kind of neat. Yeah. Not as, honestly, for as neat as it is, like, there is a twist and there's some fucked up things that you can go back and try to piece together better. I think we've had other movies that are more fun to go back through the second time. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a really cool twist. Right. And it yeah. made the movie so much cooler all the way through for me. But I did notice the second time through, like, it wasn't hard to pick out. No, no, like, no. Once, once you already know after the first time through, yeah. The second time through, like you said, you're just picking up on the clues where he's like, okay, I'm setting you up for this. Or like, she, um, in the interview, so why did you decide to write this book? So I don't go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Or what I was going to say with her mom saying, like, did you pay the bill? Paying the bill is a code. Like, did you give yourself up for those guys? And she's like, I didn't even see them. She's saying, she's literally saying, I, I don't see them. So every time that her sister's getting attacked, as the adult version, her younger sister is also getting attacked. It's just it's happening simultaneously. She's just viewing it differently or so not viewing it. My biggest question from when I was putting together the clues and stuff the second time through is I'm not 100% positive that every time we see something happening to adult Vera, it's happening to young Vera. Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes it's happening to young Beth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, because she's so disconnected. Mm -hmm. That's why I think when she says she doesn't see them, she's disconnected so far that she's not even there, so to speak, when this is shit's happening to her. And... She can't see them. The, <laughs> the drinks and dance with the mother had to have been with ice cream the woman lady right for sure because the fucking music that she plays it's mm -hmm. so fucked up especially that teddy bear song dude teddy bear Pink oh Pink has always been a creepy god. song. god i'm so glad they used it in this movie because that song has always been creepy no it is a creepy ass old song whatever man <laughs> like and in this particular moment too because the woman's painting up beth and the reason why is because when she finally snaps out of it out of her fantasy world and comes back to her young adult self, her sister is like, when the truck arrives, she's like, they like to play the game. They take you upstairs. You don't cry. You don't move. Right. Mm -hmm. She's like, if they take you, you just go along with it. 
So she hides her. And yeah, the woman takes her upstairs and plays the music, puts her in makeup. And then the fat guy takes her off into the other room and he's starting to pick out the dolls and she has to be positioned a certain way. And, you know, it's terrifying. <laughs> that is fucking frightening if you think about it. Because what he's doing too so, is, yeah, it's, I, it's Texas Massacre-esque. He reminded me a lot of Leatherface. Yeah. He reminded me a lot of Tiny. Yeah, for which sure. Which is the same thing as being reminded of, of Leatherface, because we all know where Rob Zombie gets his fucking why, That's probably why he put the Rob Zombie reference in this right. film. <laughs> I thought the creepiest part was him not choosing her first. Yeah, and you see what he does to the dolls, right? He sniffs them, probably blasts them with his fingers, mm -hmm. and then he likes to burn them. Yeah, she moves, or so, like one of the dolls falls over, and he starts to sort through and picks her out, and you're like, oh, here we go. Now, actually... I don't know if you picked up on this. Maybe, once again, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But once he does pick her up, right, and she starts to pee on herself, she kind of set that up earlier, too. Yeah, because... Because her of the, her story, story yeah. But I, but that's not what I'm getting time at. through, I was like, wait, 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 wait. When she was retelling that story, I was like, did they really fucking set up her pissing herself? Like, were they that anal about piss? <laughs> Man, what I thought... It reminded me a little bit of was imprint. Oh, okay. You know where she yeah. starts to pee on herself because I, I feel like he might be a little bit influenced by Asian cinema too. The reason I say this, this feels a little bit like a tale of two sisters, a little yeah, bit. It one hundred percent does. I was thinking the same thing when I was watching it. It felt like a tale of two sisters. Now that you say imprint, like that's jumps out in a huge way. Yeah. Like, just torture kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that he's doing it wholeheartedly, but I feel like he's doing enough homages. He can't is help but... Is this kind of... I mean, it kind of comes back around to that line once again. Is he just being French Rob Zombie right now and wearing all of his fucking influences? Oh, yeah, sleeve? I could see like, that. Yeah. He's a fan of horror. Yeah. You know? Like I said, it's nothing that you haven't seen, but it's unique within itself. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like these twists and how he's setting up these tropes and all that shit. But, um, man, what happens to Beth, and that's why I'm like, it's so fucked up because she's defending herself. She winds up getting, like, some kind of, I don't know what the hell you call it exactly, like, pin. It's not a pin, but it's almost like a fucking dagger. <laughs> right, well, I was going to say what it looked like it was is it looked like it was supposed to be like a really cheap mock-up of like a sewing pin oh, yeah, yeah. to be used only as decoration with the dolls, but it wasn't, Makes sense. it wasn't finished. It wasn't usable because it seemed like it was kind of jagged and shit. And the only thing that was finished was the part that you would see sticking out of the doll's hair. Yeah. But the rest True. of it was basically just like a crude metal pin all the way down. Yeah. I mean, I have to point out like Vera didn't tell her exactly what was coming. And like we said, I think we both kind of agree that at least a couple of the times we see adult Vera getting fucked with, that it's actually something happening to Beth. Right, right, right. That she's just super disconnected from. So it's not like she hasn't been fucked with in some way yet. Exactly. Probably I mostly totally abusive agree with that. because it seems to be like he's waiting for her to be offered. We see time. like she's been beat up. Right. And she had a weird fucking time with the other chick. Mm-hmm. But... Like, she doesn't exactly know what's coming for this playtime. So even though Vera was like, be quiet, don't fight back, it'll go easier. If you see fire is going to be involved, like, that's a good time to fucking fight back. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? I'm not going to just sit there and take the burn. I don't think so. Right. 
I mean, you can't help it, man. <laughs> you're going to let out some yells, whatever. Right, but... I mean, you know, I we get what you're trying to do. Then yeah, it's not, it's, nah, it's no, not no, good. No. I, I'm <laughs> fighting back or dying trying. Like, yeah, no doubt, man. You got to snap my neck or something, bro. <laughs> and that's the other big point I wanted to make from that scene. Like, if you're going to get one shot at a motherfucker and you have the wide open shot, yeah. you got to put that thing in his neck. Yeah. This is a whole different movie if it goes into his yeah, neck. Yeah, neck, eyeball, anything vital... Yeah, she had the shot for his neck though, and went for that shoulder shot, which oh, it sets him off. Her. Yeah, but it sets him off in that rage, and you get a little bit of a feel of his psychosis because of what he hears the doll say to him. I thought it was really interesting that we actually got that little bit of it. I was, yeah, I was surprised how focused in we've been on the girls the entire time. When we have the ten seconds of basically getting his POV, mm-hmm. I was not expecting that at all. Neither was I, but I did like it. I mean, we already know he's fucked up, but it gives you a little just bit, touch. just a little bit of insight. You know, it's like, okay, okay, he I get him it. Quiet. Yep. Because as soon as they talk to him, he's a pig face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. It's a little Disgusting. touch. Unfortunately for her, she gets recaptured. She does smash him eventually in that struggle because she gets loose and gets her typewriter. I don't have like an actual qualm with this, I think, but it was kind of weird that they were having damage kind of stack up on him. Like Vera even mentions like last time I did manage to get something in at his leg, but then, you know, look at her face like she got (laughs) fucked up for. And he comes in, his legs fucked up. Yeah. Good point. And like she gets in the, the shot on his shoulder and like he's in like legit pain from it. And he's kind of fucked up for a bit before he recovers her. For as big of a fucking typewriter as she slammed into his head as Man. many times as she did, he kind of just shakes that shit off. Yeah. I mean, he sits up in that room just like whining to himself for a while because he's a giant man-child, but he doesn't really have any physical fallout from No, it. no, no. He's, like you said, he's just, he's raging. He's having Which, a, a rage Considering moment. how much they had the, the other damage stack up on him, I thought yeah. it was kind of like, eh, well. Since we're getting close now, is she takes shelter in... The mirror, right? Mm-hmm. But of course, that fucking doll's in there. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because what's happening is the woman's coming upstairs because he's crying and making all that fucking noise. And she's busting through, trying to bust through. And I'm like, oh, God damn, this doll's going to give her away and fuck everything up. It doesn't happen that way. It's more of a psych out more than anything, which is good. I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. thank fucking God. But she eventually takes off. She gets downstairs she frees her sister. The woman goes outside because she thinks that Beth has snuck out the upstairs window when she was hiding in the in the mirror. Right. Tricked her, essentially. And once Vera and Beth are upstairs and they're about to take off, woman comes back inside and I'm like, oh God, here we go again. And because the man child's upstairs throwing that tantrum, she goes upstairs instead and the girls take off and it begins their escape. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go. Now it feels a little bit like Calvair, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, anything that you've seen before that with the escape. They eventually make it back to that field we talked about earlier, and you see the car drive by, you're like, oh, fuck. But then it comes back, you're like, oh, thank God, <laughs> right? And they're Canadian police, you're like, oh, they're actually going to help. <laughs> All right? And they do. And the smart thing I like about this film is that the guy actually calls in for backup. Now, because of that, you see the truck in the distance. You're like, oh, fuck me. 
it's approaching as a guy's making the call. But what's really going on, the real danger is still out in that field because a woman catches up, mm-hmm. blows that guy away, executes the female cop, which was pretty brutal, headshot. Well, and as I remember it, I think that you seeing the headlights mm-hmm. was a fake out. You see yeah, yeah, yeah. that truck drive by. Yeah, there's a different truck. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a fake out because, like I said, the, the real danger. Yeah. That part pissed me off a little bit <laughs> just because there's no way with the distance between the edge of the forest and the field yeah. that he doesn't God. see her come out of the forest first. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that, dude. There's no, no way. Right now, I don't want to get to this quite yet, maybe after we wrap this up. So what happens after girls are recaptured and then Beth starts to disconnect again because she's like, you know, in her mind, she's starting to realize her fate once again. She's nothing but punishment. And so she's disconnecting and Vera's freaking out. She's like, she needs Beth to be there. And then once they get back to the house and realize that, Vera gets yanked out first. And then Beth, she goes back into her adult mindset Mm-hmm. And she's at the Christmas party is what I'm getting at because of the music. And she's with her mom and with, it looks like successful people. And then she and meets the black her cops alive <laughs> and working there. Did you catch that? Yeah, that's fucked up. But you're right. You're and absolutely right. Lovecraft. <laughs> I know. And this dude has the biggest fucking jawline I've ever seen. The aside from. Made from just not good prosthetics. No, no, no. It's definitely not starts, his. It looks okay until he starts talking. You're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's huge yeah that's a little too huge but what it's doing what he's doing is giving her validation right like your story is a masterpiece is what he tells her right he says do not change a single word otherwise he's like something like i will be highly disappointed in you or something to that effect right and she's like, oh, my gosh, you know, she's, she's got validation. She's separated herself now. She's kind of found her own voice. And her mom is like, Beth, you know, because she sees her sister and she's kind of following her younger sister up the mm-hmm. stairs and whatnot. So she's realizing that she can stay here and live out this fantasy or she can go back and save her sister, right? And she has that conversation with her mom. And her mom's like, there's nothing but ugliness out there basically in the real world. She's like, no, I got to save my sister. And then as soon as she she does that, she commits to that. I think probably the most brutal moment in maybe any film possibly that we've covered is the reality she's thrown back into because she's basically getting choked out or yeah. about to get choked out. And you're like, what though, What they took them back to do was to kill them, not to torture them anymore. It's like, we're going to end these girls now. And that's when I was, I was like, God, this movie's fucking brutal. <laughs> Good God. She makes it. She survives. She goes and she starts to cannibalize the woman a little bit after she takes care of... And I'm like, God mighty. And then they finally have help because a cop arrives and blasts the dude, tells the woman not to make the move. She does, and she gets wasted. And you're like, man, this was like hyper-realistic too. It was brutal. It was honest brutality too. Mm -hmm. It didn't hold any strings or make it feel comedic in any way you know like hammy no no, no, it's like this is pure brutality in a story of survival and in that just little segment i was like man that really gut punched me the second time so i kind of prefer the happy ending but yeah is there any chance especially because i do feel like Beth's last line of the movie especially the way it's delivered feels way off yeah 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 
Is there any chance that her going back into the ugly world to save her sister is just the new story she's telling herself? Yeah, I can totally see that. That's what I'm getting at. It's like, there's things that you can read into. That she just disconnected in there. Right. And that, and that you could say more than likely, if you read into that way, you can probably say Vera died somewhere along the line. So there's that last, like, 15 seconds, or I guess it's a little bit longer than that because that dude won't shut up in the fucking ambulance. Yeah, I know. But, like, the last, like, minute of the movie, there's, like, three extremely, like, as she's on her way out to the ambulance, it shows, like, the doll in the cage choked out by the plastic. Yeah. It's and like little it signs. over at, like, her sister mm -hmm. and then at the body bag. Yeah, and then the mom in the mirror, or not in the mirror, but in the window... Mm -hmm. So, in a sense, that is the ghost land. And I think even, too, that you could say the dolls, not all of them, but probably a few of them, are probably representative or symbolic of victims, female right. victims. But I'm wondering if that last one, the one that it, the yeah. camera lingers on for a second, is could, supposed you, to be, could be. Vera, mm -hmm. or maybe even her ultimate fate as she's disconnecting yeah. right before she dies. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, that's why I think, too, with this film, there is ambiguity i mm, i don't know how much to I, think I actually like the happy ending better i think I, I, yeah for sure it's like not just like it better but yeah even with how off parts of that end feel that right. feels more real I, I wonder too like how much he's still trying to like a little bit psych you out but not not wholeheartedly like it's like yeah you can read into it and that's that's perfectly that's fine. fine but that's yeah. not really my intention i feel like maybe just a little bit maybe like, this was his, um, not necessarily like Lars von Trier with the house that Jack built, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like for him, he mentioned it too. I was reading an interview. He said he wanted to be so much like Toby Hooper, you know? And he's like, he didn't want to censor himself, right? That's what he felt like with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff. He's like, you know, you got to push the limits. Not necessarily, you know, overboard, but you got to take chances is what he was saying. And so with this film, he wanted to take chances. He wanted to make things feel realistic just because if the audience doesn't feel it, then what's the fucking point, you know? And I, I'm like, damn, he did a fantastic job. So I think that's why he put the H.P. Lovecraft and using that Beth character to mirror maybe a little bit of his feelings in the real world. You know, like she was idolizing H.P. Lovecraft. She finally found her voice and her writing style, her coming of age story, so to speak, even though it's hyper brutal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, in a way, it's like he's kind of finding his voice within the horror genre and he doesn't need... And maybe that's why he's showing all his influences in this film. It's because he's trying to separate a little bit, let you know that he can do it, but he can do it on his own as well. The overarching presence of H.P. Lovecraft in this movie. I want to believe the happy ending of this movie, as I've already said. But it leads me to one other interpretation that's a variation on the one that I just threw out anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if parts of her being grown up is true. Like, I wonder if this is grown up her telling the story, but she's not an accomplished author. She's probably in a loony bin or something somewhere. Yeah. And the part at the end is more like, yeah, her sister died and she cracked afterwards. And is... No doubt, yeah. Um, as was stated before about Vera reliving this, 
she's continually reliving this, but in this disconnected way. Yeah, and she's making up stories for... Stories. Yeah, she's still making stories as she goes and to cope. fits a lot more in with like a Lovecraftian reading. Yeah, where good point. Almost every time, the or not almost every... I mean, it's a giant Lovecraftian trope for your author to be driven mad by his experience yeah. by the end of the thing and is telling the story from a place of madness or an asylum. Good point. Very solid point. And I think that's a plausible way of reading this film because of all the stuff from earlier. Like the premise is she likes to make stories and she well, and gives these interviews. And what makes you think that she's still not doing it if she is an adult doing like the, like you were saying, the H.P. Lovecraftian well, and it would author going through all that shit. The details because yeah. the nightmares she has as an adult involve the doll to an extent that it shouldn't be still present. Like, she's encountered the doll once, mm -hmm. and she wasn't that scared. Her sister was. Yeah, yeah. But if this is a story that has played out almost exactly the way we've already seen it play out, except at the end, in some way, Vera dies, and she manages to get away. She's running. Why do you always run? Vera <laughs> spells it out, you know? Yeah. Then she would know about that doll enough so that in her retelling or her reliving of the story, it would make sense to come up so prominently in her adult dreams as well. Yeah. Because she couldn't have made up how significant it is before it happened to her, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. And it can only have happened in the past for her if she's already an adult. Yeah. Or at least older than what we see her for most of Or past yeah. the events in the movie. <laughs> like you were saying earlier, I want to... More than anything, you want to have that happy ending for her. I don't know I don't how think much. It's invalid. No, no, no. I don't either. I don't think there is any way that you can discredit anybody else for feeling like what well, we've already mentioned too. Like multiple people could be dead. Maybe she's reliving all these things and telling stories, like projecting things. You know, her feelings or what happened and exaggerating them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're still seeing all these exaggerations throughout. And I would be pleasantly fine with that too if that were the case. You know. It just adds to like that realism too, you know? It's not just a movie, it's also rooted in reality, people's mental issues and doing it in an artistic manner, mm -hmm. using these clever metaphors and writing devices. So yeah, I mean, I give them credit. I didn't think honestly going into this film, it would get this heavy or you could read that much into it because I didn't know much about it. You know, I know we chose it last week and I was like, okay, it's Pascal Logier. He did Martyrs. I know a little bit of what we're going to get into, but then, like I said, this movie throws you for a loop, and then when it does gobsmack you, like, this motherfucker. Also, so there was one other thing I was looking for while watching this movie the first time through. Yeah. It's because Martyrs was a part of Test Your Fright. Yeah. We had a winner. Our winner, Quincy, will still say how much she hates Martyrs at the <laughs> drop of a hat. Yeah. So I was looking to see if, in my opinion, this movie would fly for Quince. Wow, I know. I don't think so. I think no. Quince would still hate this movie. <laughs> I mean, I know why. <laughs> I know why, too. Yeah. And that's okay, because I think that's... The, I think the most critical thing people make of him, of Logier, is misogyny. And in this film's case, which I don't get... Is transphobia. Oh. Yeah. I've read several things where people, that's the critique, is that he's being transphobic and he's being misogynistic. Now, Misogyny, I can understand, yes. I can yes. understand where that's coming from. Totally get it. There's a lot of right. really fucked up violence being directed towards women in his two main movies. Right. And I get it. 
He makes the argument, so this is not my words, this is his argument. He feels let down by that because he feels like he's using female characters in showing not they can make through it. Right. The brutality that's put upon them and still persevere and still fight and you know, show bravery and courage and all that shit amongst or amidst all this stuff. Which so, I get that too. Right. He doesn't want to sugarcoat things. He's like, if I'm gonna make my art, he's like, I can't make it for everybody. <laughs> it's subjective right. as is. And he's not gonna pull any strings or hold back because you want him to. It's like sometimes that's what makes the art the art itself is you have to show those moments. Not that you need to, but you know, you can't have everything sugarcoated and Disney and mm-hmm. as nice as it is, it gets boring after a while. You know, and then when something like this happens, it lasts. It leaves a lasting impression. That's why we talk about these things. That's why people are still talking about martyrs. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, I definitely get both sides. Yeah. Winston wouldn't like this movie. No, 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 no. I Although can understand I why. It was also really weird, though, to end up with Pascal Lager making a movie where two girls get captured and tortured in a basement. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, yeah, he's borrowing elements from himself. He's, are, he's not reinventing the wheel. He's just arguably only one gets out. Yeah, that's a good point too, which is another mind freak, I guess if you want to call it that. But I, I think that's what makes him a clever filmmaker, and in this case, because he wrote it too, he's a clever writer as well. Yeah, I still haven't heard great things about the Tall Man. Yeah, I mean, it I'll, wasn't I'll the movie check I thought it out. It was like I looked it up real quick after yeah. you mentioned it, and it wasn't the one I thought it was, but. It is one that I have seen things about, and it doesn't look great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I am more likely to check it out just because his name's on it. Yeah, I'm but curious enough. More than that, I'm more excited to see anything else he might do in the future. Right. Now, for his sake, and I think a little bit too, I know we've mentioned this with like Italian filmmakers and Spanish filmmakers and stuff, is that it's hard for him to do certain films in France because they're not accepting of it. So that's why he has to look for investors elsewhere. And so what I'm hoping in his case is that the people that back him and stuff like that let him carry on his vision instead of trying to market things more for wider audiences, so to speak, you know, like what Hellraiser 3 last week, (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh, Which is, once again, it's kind of coincidental because he was on board to direct Hellraiser, but because of his vision for it, the artistic vision, they dropped him. I also read that the two guys from Inside were supposed oh. to direct it as well. And I don't know their deal, but he was but, next in line. They cut him loose. By the way, both of those are really good choices. I know. You, we still have our pitch. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, and it's not what we're getting. because no. I can't remember who they have on Hellraiser. They don't listen to us. attached to Hellraiser right now. And well, it's not China. Yeah. Well, I mean, we put it in our pitch, so that's, you know, we tried. I still think that's the most perfect idea. I know. A Turkish Hellraiser? Fuck yeah. (laughs) Please. Before we die. I know. All right. Before I wrap up this film, I do want to make mention, too, that the score in this film. Amazing. It's great. It ratchet. I won't say ratchet. It lends its hand to the emotional state of the film Mm -hmm. in a lot of key moments. And uh, like I said, the fucked up music, teddy bear stuff, the scene where she's snapped back into reality where she's having a fight for her life, maybe not, you know? It still lends its hands to those dramatic moments. And I was like, man, great job there. Cinematography's nice. Acting's not great, but it's not bad either. They do a good job of 
their performances and what they needed to do, the young girls especially. So yeah, all around, I enjoyed it. I recommend it for people who, like we mentioned in the, uh, <laughs> in the warnings, if you're not averse to a lot of these things, man, this I feel like this is going to be a good film to talk about for years to come is how I feel about it. After all the things we've mentioned and after thinking about this movie again, and it's actually playing behind you while we're talking right now, too. <laughs> nice. I just can't help but think that he's just a way more subtle Rob Zombie with this movie, and I'm so on board for that. Like, yeah, dude. He did it. Now a that job. I'm starting to notice like some of these different things, I'm like, oh, no, that's totally... Even if it wasn't intentional, I'm like, oh, no, this feels so much like high tension, or no, no, this feels so much like this. Like I can just enjoy it on that Yeah. Level. Two now. now, I will mention this too, is reading a little bit, is he mentioned um, this guy who was his set designer on this, this guy named Wilding, that's what it is, it's, it's, his last name is Wilding, but he says he's such a good set designer and artist and sculptor, and he said for all the dolls and stuff in the house, they weren't going to use it, they were going to kind of keep it bare, almost like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house, oh. but the guy was like, no. He's like, let's make it all out creepy with the dolls because dolls on the surface seem innocent, but it creates this contrasting element of brutality along with like this innocence kind of thing attached to it. Right. Like these girls are innocent dolls or whatnot. So I like that. I don't think I'm wrong. It's, I don't have their names in front of me. I should. And, and I just can't think of them off the top of my head, but it's older Beth that's on the poster, right? No, actually, it's, it I, I think it's the younger girl. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say if it's older, that's a good fake out because they still have the doll makeup on. Her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The reason I know it's it's not her, it's because I watched an interview with the girl who played mm. the young Beth, and she's she actually has light hair. She's like a blonde, not a natural. She's like a sandy blonde. But the interviewer was asking her about the poster, and she's like, "Yeah, that doesn't that really look like me because my hair." And <laughs> but I know that's me. Ooh, one thing that should we. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, we, we it's, it's probably known. The, uh, the, the incident. The young Vera, yeah. <laughs> the incident. The incident. <laughs> I mean, we did, but we didn't. But yeah, Taylor Hicks, and which, I mean, it is fucked up. It really yeah. is fucked up. Is There's a scene where, you know, she's banging against the glass, and Pascal didn't want her to bang more. And unfortunately, they didn't use like a safety glass or whatnot. And she broke through and fucked her face up. 70 stitches? 70 stitches. I saw the, what it looked like, the actual gash, not oh, yeah. what the stitched up, like the gash. Whew, holy shit. Yeah. Now, granted, it does give her like a little bit of a badass appeal now. <laughs> She's a but super cute girl, up. but yeah, it's super fucked yeah. up regardless. And, you know, she did the right thing. Yeah. You know, that sucks. And I, I, have, I have seen and read where actors and whatnot say that. Pascal has a tendency to push people a little bit past the edge sometimes, you know, because he wants them to give real performances. Unfortunately, sometimes this is the result. And not to make an excuse because it is fucked up. There's things they could have done. To, that they should have done. Should have done, yeah. I read several things where it's like it could have been like a 20 to $50 easy fix, which like plexiglass or mm -hmm. some kind of uh, candy glass, I think is what they call it, or sugar glass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and they chose not to. And it's like, ugh. Yeah, so unfortunately that did happen. But aside from that, man, yeah, really enjoyed it. A little bit of a blind pick. I mean, even though we didn't know it was Pascal, but I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect. Only thing I'd heard about it was, well, it's not as extreme as Martyrs. Yeah, fuck it. And I'm yeah, glad like, that it's not trying to be Martyrs, even though... It's very martyrs -y. It has a lot of the elements of it, but not as brutal, not as hyper-brutal. And I think this one's a little bit more accessible. 
The other thing I just realized, I, I didn't point it out when we were talking about the section, but I thought was really neat, was during the initial home invasion, I love how the camera really centers on young Beth. In a lot of ways, the ways that she's experiencing it, anytime she sort of like pokes her head out and like looks beyond just like trying to cover up and stuff, the camera tends to move with that and sort of show what she's taking in. Yeah, good point. And so the fight itself isn't as violent on screen as it could be. We're filling in all the blanks really well because there's some really well done yeah. Foley work and you do see a lot of glimpses of it. But that initial home invasion is shown mostly on young Beth's reactions. Yeah. And I thought that was really neat. And, yeah. and it was a way to make it kind of just not torture porn. You know what I mean? Even though that part wasn't a torture part, it was like right. a beat up fight part. Like it wasn't even focusing on the violence. The violence was a necessary part of it and was something that was happening in the scene, but it was all pulled in towards her. Right, right, right. Where you're not seeing all the brutality and yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Which, yeah, I think that's clever. I think it's super clever because it makes the reveal, I think, more impactful when you do realize like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. So I like it, man. I really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it for people, like I said, who like his previous films, who are curious about his more recent films. Like the home invasion genre in general. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, dude. And for all the aforementioned films that he pays homage to. I think mm -hmm. it's another one of those clever devices. He didn't overdo it, but you know it's there. The tropes are there. Agreed. We haven't 100% figured out next week yet, but we're going to go do that. For sure. In order to listen to us next week, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. That'd be super fucking cool. You could also rate and review us. That would also be dope because the world is ran on algorithms and this is online, as you know, because you're listening to it. In order to keep up with us in all the different ways... You can also head over to our website, friedsquirms.com, contact us through the website or by emailing us, squirmcast at gmail.com. Yeah, while you're at the website, click links at the top. We are part of the Earworm Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on the network. Listen to me talk about nerd shit over on General Nerdery. Listen to Zach and Malark talk about war and war treatises and war gaming and Warhammer. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, over on the Art of War Gaming more shows to come in the future and the best way to keep up with all that would be to just hit up earverm.com e-a-r-v-v-y-r-m.com for everything happening across the network search for us fried squirms across all your social medias will be what pops up I'm trying to use it more like every once in a while i'm like oh look i watched Razor three yeah i really should have posted something from this movie too but i didn't but it's okay we can get on it yeah we can, we can not a biggie shit. That was everything, right? I think I so. Yeah, man. I think it's a good job. So once again, too, you know, film recommendations, suggestions. You know, and if you all recommend films to us, yeah, makes we it don't easier. have to like go and figure it out after every show. <laughs> we'll just be like, oh, yo, yeah. next week we're watching. This is on deck. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, until then we'll fill in the voids, of course, but it definitely helps if you pitch in. We can't fill in the void. We already did. Ah, <laughs> oh, we did. <laughs> we tried to fill in the void. We also can't fill in the abyss. We did the oh, abyss. Damn. <laughs> nice. But or yeah, no, we did the beyond. We haven't done the abyss. Not the abyss. We might do the abyss. <laughs> We're probably not doing the abyss next week just because I said it. <laughs> Until then, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Out. Bye.